All right, good to see everybody. Let's, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Um, I'm Dave Pugh. I'm one of the uh, non-staff pastors here. So if you've got anything that you need while you're here, uh, any questions, uh, please come up and talk to me. And then, of course, if you're new to DSC, we like to invite you to services on Sunday. Okay? So, uh, but today we're here to gather as men and to think about what God has to say, say to us in his word. So let's, uh, let's bow together and ask his blessing in our time. Father, we do give you great praise and thanks for uh, your greatness and your care for us. Lord, I thank you for these men who desire to, to know you, to know your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to grow in their own walk. Lord, thank you for uh, even just the benefits and blessings of being together as men that uh, we're able to gather physically and that we can encourage one another in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, about a year ago, we could have enjoyed uh, breakfast burritos. So we're not there yet, but hang in there because very soon we're going to be eating Golden Pride burritos. I can just tell, all right? So maybe in August, we'll try to do breakfast. uh, So look forward to that. Um, So Chris, if you would forward it to the next slide there. Uh, We've been meeting about once a quarter. And if you're new to, and there's about four or five of you out there that have not been part of our gospel men seminar. What is that term, gospel men? Well, when men understand the implications of what Christ has done for us in the gospel, that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life, died the sacrificial death that we deserve, rose again, that's where we find our identity in men. So the first word up there under gospel men is that we're to be converted. That is that we're to come to know that truth of what Jesus has done for us. And we are to simply put our faith in what Jesus has done already. So that's the first part of being a gospel man is to be converted. And then we've talked about through various subjects about growing. So first converted, then growing in the faith, growing in sanctification in his word. And then the third word up there is serving. Is We've talked about serving our wives, serving our children, serving at work in our vocation. Whatever it is that we're to, as Christ has come to serve, so we are to serve one another. And the subject we're going to be talking about today is the subject of spiritual gifts. An important part of that word of service. Um, But we've approached all of this from God's perspective of what biblical manhood is, which is to be defined uh, by the gospel, what he has done for us. Uh, Next slide. So one of the things that uh, we want to also do during these breakfasts is let you know about opportunities. So Frank, will you come up and tell us about one-to-one Bible reading? All right, thanks, brother, and thank all you guys for just being here, and we can actually meet together under this building. Um, So I'm here to talk about one-to-one Bible reading. Um, uh, I've already had a few Zoom meetings about one-to-one Bible reading with some of you guys, so uh, just bear with me. Uh, Some of this might be repetitive. Um, So one-to-one Bible reading is my heart. Uh, it has been a way that God has used in my life as a believer to fight sin. And I'm here to just show you guys what I've already been encouraged by. 
And I would just like to say a, a quick prayer. Uh, Lord God, we pray that you get glory from this ministry. Lord God, we pray that men would come to the saving knowledge of you through this ministry. And we pray that men would grow in the knowledge of Christ through one-to-one Bible reading. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Brothers, uh, before I give you a brief overview of one-to-one Bible reading, I'll tell you how I was introduced to -to one-to-one Bible reading. Uh, I was a new believer, and a guy who's now my good friend um, asked me a question after church was over. He said, do you meet with anyone one-to-one to read the Bible? And I said, no. He then asked if I would like to meet, and I said, yes, of course. I guess it wasn't of course, but I said yes. <laughs> um, we met at odd times because we were on different work shifts. He worked days and I worked swing shift. But we got together regularly uh, and got in the Word. Um, and we still meet when he's here in Albuquerque. He doesn't live here anymore. Um, this brother helped me to fight sin and get to know Jesus better. I remember a stretch where we went about three weeks And we both just sacrificed sleep to get together and get in the word. So it was sweet, to say the least. And I have been seeking one-to-one meetings with brothers in the church ever since those first meetings in 2009. Uh, I meet with a few guys now. I'm trying to get encouraged and to encourage, like Paul says, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine, Romans 1.12. The book we are using to complement one-to-one Bible reading, it's up here on the screen, uh, is David Helms, you guessed it, one-to-one Bible reading. (laughs) And I say, along with Helms' book, let us encourage one another and build each other up, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, through Bible reading and prayer. Let's just get together and read the Bible. Helms' book gives two reasons that stood out for me for taking time to read one-to-one with someone. First, the Bible uh, one-to-one offers the appeal, sorry, first, reading the Bible one-to-one offers the appeal of developing true friendships, relationships of greater familiarity and substance, and that's from page 15 of the book. Um, Community groups are great and are helpful in growing in Christ and getting to know others in the church, but there are some things or struggles I will not, I will only tell a brother I trust. Uh, and I'm thinking of James 5.16 and even uh, community groups. There's just not enough time for all the prayer requests. Uh, the second thing that Helmsbrook uh, brought out was uh, because of our convictions of the power of God's word. God's word is powerful, and that's from page 16. Let us believe that God's word is God's word. The very heart of God, his very finger as he wrote the Ten Commandments for Moses. And a couple of uh, scriptures uh, that go along with that is 2 Timothy 3.16, Isaiah 55.11. And so the next part is going into the format. uh, Like what does this look like when we're meeting together? Um, So I I broke it down into four different, different parts. The first part, when you're actually meeting with somebody one-to-one, you're just talking about your week, you know, how everything went at work, um, prayer requests, and then secondly, that leads right into prayer, specific prayers. 
um, and asking for wisdom um, to be able to understand God's word. Uh, The third step and the most important step is reading God's word. Uh, Just getting in his word, opening it up. And uh, the two methods we can use to study are the coma method, which David Helm talks about, which is context, observation, meaning, and application. And then the other method is the Swedish method, which I'm not going to get into just for the sake of time. And both of those are found uh, from page 43 to 48 in David Helm's book. And uh, the last and fourth part is to end in prayer and set up the, the next meeting. Um, and just getting ready, and whatever that looks like, if that means you have to cancel for the next week, just being on the same page. Um, One last thing I would like to talk about is uh, the meeting length, and I just leave that up to you guys, Uh, whatever works for you guys, whatever's, you know, I'm not even going to put a time on it, because whatever works, and the meeting regularity, weekly, bi-weekly, or whatever works. Um, if anyone wants to do this, email me at frankj1220 at yahoo.com. I guess I can get that out to you guys somehow. Um, and I know that some of you probably did sign up for that, so I'll probably get a list from Dave, who uh, all the people who signed up uh, to, to do this in the future. And, um, and then I can connect you guys with somebody. Or you guys can connect yourselves on Sunday or in your community group, exchange contact information, and start meeting. Um, and I know some guys are already meeting one-to-one, but I just want to uh, just encourage you guys with, like I said, what I've already been encouraged by. Um, and just thank you for your guys' time. All right, so please uh, take advantage of that. Uh, Frank will try to get you linked up with someone that you can meet with on a regular occasion. And Frank, we've got copies of the book out there too. If you'd like to do this, you can go ahead and start reading through this short book on one-to-one Bible reading. And then you just get linked up with someone of similar schedule. The other thing is it's a defined period of time. You know, you're not signing up to meet with someone forever and ever, but it's a defined period of time that you meet to read the Word, to do the, all that Frank talked about. Okay? All right, so take advantage of that. Another opportunities are our huddles. Uh, so our Friday huddle meets at 6 a.m. on Fridays where they read through as a group uh, books of the Bible. And then the next slide here, Chris, is our Saturday huddle. Uh, and we're starting a new, new study on May 15th. And Friday group does books of the Bible. The Saturday group reads through topics, um, books that, of what God says about various topics. So we're starting a new study on the power of Christian contentment. Brothers, contentment, what a subject that we need to hear, that we need to talk about. Uh, I, a lot of the reasons for uh, choosing this is because I need it in my own heart. Is Am I being content in what Christ has for me? I find that so often my heart drifts to something else that God providentially has not brought about. Am I content with my circumstances and with my possessions? So we're going to talk about it. So if you're interested in this, there's books out there that you could go ahead and pick up a book uh, and start going through. Um, but we'll start officially as a group on May 15th. Okay, so keep that in mind. All right, so now before Drew comes up and leads us in song, in music, I'd like to introduce our speaker. 
So Caleb Batchelor grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. He graduated from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Go Vols. That's where he met Leah, his wife. Uh, They've been married for five years and have a one-year-old daughter, Jane, that you've seen running around. And a little boy on the way. Congrats. Uh, Before uh, coming to DSC, they lived in Louisville where he went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, So Caleb is our minister of youth and families, and now he's a part of Albuquerque life, and he said he loves now green and red chilies. So we'll welcome him to, to Albuquerque. All right, so brothers, let's stand and let's worship the Lord together. Well, how good it is to dwell together and sing in unity as one, as men, to do some one-to-one Bible singing this morning as we address one another in song. Um, But if I could, I'm going to jump on a soapbox real quick. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there are some churches where men don't sing, where they stand and have some sort of pseudo-spiritual stoicism. And thankfully, that's not our church, Um, because as men, we should be leading out in singing to the Lord. It doesn't mean we sing well, but we sing, we sing, and we express our faith, and we encourage one another. This is part of our building up one another to, uh, to love and serve, and we serve one another even now as we sing. So let us express our unity. Let us express our joy in our Savior as we sing out. How good it is when the family of God dwell together in spirit, in faith and unity, when the bonds of peace, of acceptance and love are the fruit of his presence here among sing as one so with one voice we'll sing to the Lord and with one heart we'll live out his word till the whole world sees the Redeemer has come for he dwells in the presence of his feet How good it is on this journey we share to rejoice with the happy and weep with those who mourn for the weak find strength, the afflicted find grace when we offer the blessing of belong. Yes, we belong. So with one voice we'll sing to the Lord, and with one heart we'll live out His Word, till the whole earth sees the Redeemer has come, for He dwells in the presence of His people. 
express our unity in song and that unity is is not a given and it's not something that we simply conjure up but we have through Christ we have in Christ we have because of Christ he is our gift of grace so let us rejoice in his work through us what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is holy to oh, how strange and divine I can see. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. Yes, believe it, brothers. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, his power is displayed. We hope to this I hope my shepherd will defend me through the shall overcome yet not I but through Christ in me the 
No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. Do you believe it? For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. Yes. To this I own my sin has been defeated. Jesus now. So you know, uh, Dave has more outlines, so we'll, uh, we'll be going off an outline this morning, so just go find Dave here, and he can get you an outline if you need one. Let's pray. Father, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Father, yet not through us, but through Christ in us. Father, we need you this morning. Father, you've given these men many different gifts. But if we don't have love, we have nothing. And we can only have love when we look to you, the God of love. When we look to you, the God of love in the gospel. Father, this is a gospel men's seminar, so bring our heart and our minds and all of our affections there. Fill us up with love, and that we would be able to serve this church for your glory. We ask you for these things in your son's name. Amen. The spiritual gifts. Seminar on the spiritual gifts. Any of y'all nervous? Does the theme of spiritual gifts make any of you all anxious? I don't want you to be anxious. 
So I'm going to tell you what we are not going to talk about this morning. We are not going to make you guys take a spiritual gifts test. You feel better? (laughs) Yeah, you can clap for that. We are not going to ask you a series of questions, and then next thing you know, you're over arts and crafts for a vacation Bible school. So take a deep breath. We're not loading you up with flannel graphs and glue stick this morning. We're also not going to talk about whether the charismatic gifts, the prophecy and tongues and healing, whether those are for today or not. I know, bummer. Maybe we can do that sometime down the road. Maybe we can make a, a part two on spiritual gifts and talk about that. We just, we just don't have the time. Um, I do want to tell you one thing about this important topic of whether the gifts of prophecy, tongues, and healing are for, day, are for today or not. I want you all to know that you can believe different things on this topic and be a faithful, respected member here at DSC. It's not just something we put out on the webpage that this is something you can have Christian liberty over, but then behind the scenes, the elders are deciding who's on the right team or not. That's not the way it is here. So I'd encourage you to study this out. Feel freedom to fall off on different sides on this issue. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know how to be able to dig into this discussion of whether prophecy, tongues, and healing are for today or not, I want to recommend two books for you guys. Spiritual Gifts by Dr. Tom Schreiner, and then Spirit and Sacrament by Andrew Wilson. So Dr. Schreiner in this book, he argues for cessationism, that prophecy, tongues, and healing have stopped in terms of regular gifts within the church. And then Andrew Wilson argues that these gifts are still for today within our local churches. I just want to be really clear about one thing on this, is that I don't agree with everything in either of these books. Okay? Is that clear (laughs) when you read them? (laughs) Don't agree with everything. So why am I recommending them? Because if you're going to be a cessationist, I want you to be a Tom Schreiner kind of cessationist. And if you're going to be a continuationist, I want you to be an Andrew Wilson kind of continuationist. These guys hold their views strongly. They know what they're talking about, but they are not angry about it. And that's what we're shooting for. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. If you know, you know. What are we going to talk about? What is this seminar going to be about? I'm not going to tell you. Not yet. We'll get there. I'll let you know what the main point of this seminar is going to be about. But right now, before we get there, let's talk about war movies for a second. I love a good war movie. Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, I I love them. Here's my one knock on them, though. They almost always follow the same plot line, right? The guy leaves home. The guy fights in the war. The guy wins the war climax. We get five minutes at the end. Goes back home to his family. They laugh. They cry. We laugh. We cry. The credits roll. This is where I want a war movie to go. Tell us what happens after the war. Paint us a picture of war-torn communities. Paint us a picture of post-war reconstruction. After the Revolutionary War, show us war-torn communities. 
Show us the broken down neighborhoods and homes. After World War II, show us the malnourishment and the poor education. Show us how great the task is of post-war reconstruction. You need a special kind of leader to win a war. But you need just as good of a leader, if not greater, to lead a post-war reconstruction plan. And brothers, in God the Son incarnate, Jesus Christ, we get both. We get both. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ has won the war. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. He has taken care of our guilt and our shame on the cross. The war is over. It is finished. But through his ascension and his outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he is also leading out on post-war reconstruction. And his plan is going to work. It's unstoppable. There's nothing you or I can do to stop him. And his plan includes us. Not because he needed us. Definitely didn't need this guy. Definitely didn't need me. But you and I are part of the greatest reconstruction plan in the history of the world. The world has never seen a reconstruction plan like this one. The task is great. Just let's just take these guys, take us in this room. Let's not worry about what's going on out there, just what's going on in this room. Y'all, we're a mess. We've got too many problems for us to know what to do with. The task is great, but our general is greater. So let's listen to his orders this morning. Turn with me to 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. That's where we're going to be this morning. It's on your outline, but we're going to be looking at some other passages. So pull out your Bibles, your phones if you have them. Let's read 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's buried grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's packed, isn't it? There's some packed two verses. If you're doing one-to-one Bible reading, you'd be in those two verses for a long time. It's packed. You know how uh, Ryan talks about gospel nuggets? Passages that tightly summarize the gospel. We get a spiritual gift nugget here in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. So we're going to take it slow. We're just going to 
try to ring out as much as we can. We're not going to ring out everything, but we're going to ring out as much as we can this morning out of these two verses. And just so you know where we're going, we've got three big observations. So you'll see them on your sheet. Three big observations, and we're going to cover 13 questions through these three observations. 13, five for each of the first two. Because I love y'all, we'll just do three at the end. Observation number one, God gives spiritual gifts to the church. Question number one, who gives spiritual gifts to the church? Answer, God. Verse 10, the God who gives varied grace. We haven't earned our gifts. God didn't look at Randy Pierce discipling a thousand guys and say, you know what? He's earned it giving them a teaching gift. No, it's of grace. It's because he freely gives gifts to us. Just think back to creation, Genesis 1 and 2. Did Eve deserve of the pineapple tree? Did Adam get employee of the month and then get a blueberry bush? No, they they opened their eyes and And there everything was. In creation, God gives gifts freely because that's just who he is. And the same is true for new creation. Things haven't changed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then verse 18. All this. All this is from God. All new creation blessings are from God, including spiritual gifts. In creation and new creation, God gives gifts freely because that's just who our God is. So this is kind of maybe a little bit weird, but, uh, but before we continue, I just want to thank God for the gifts he's given this church. Father, we thank you Um, Before we even continue, we want to stand back and praise you and thank you for how kind you've been to this church. We could just go through the membership directory one by one through each name and just praise you and thank you for all the gifts you've given us. And we don't deserve them. We don't deserve them. So we thank you and praise you for them. In your son's name, amen. Question number two, who does God give spiritual gifts to? The church. Verse 10, as each has received a gift. Each member of this church has a gift. Let's stretch our Bible drill fingers real quick and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I want you to see this theme picked up in two different places in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see that? To each is given. Christ gave members to each member of the Corinthian church. Turn over to Ephesians 4, 7 through 8. Ephesians 4, 7 through 8. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
each member of the Ephesian church. We could keep on going. We could go to several different passages on this point, but do you see what scripture is putting down? Each member of each church gets a gift. And that means that each member of Desert Springs has a gift. Now we're Americans, so this doesn't shock us like it should. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, Caleb, I get, I get it, we're Americans. This is part of our unalienable rights as children of God, as each member gets a gift. It wasn't always this way. And for the old covenant people of God, it was not this way. There were the haves and the have-nots. If you were a Levite, you got to serve in the temple. You got to serve in the presence of God. If you're a Levite, you're in luck. But if you're not a Levite, sorry, you don't get to serve in the presence of God. Spiritual gifts are not a given. Thousands of years actually go by before from creation to new creation before every member of God's people gets to serve in God's presence. Brothers, we should feel the privilege of our spiritual gifts. It is not a given that we have them. The most decorated general in history has called us into his office, and he's given us orders given us orders to execute the greatest reconstruction plan the world has ever seen. We get to be a part of this. You have been given a role. And each member of this church has been given a role. Each member. The member who has a hard time articulating their thoughts in community groups. The member who hasn't read all of the New Testament yet. The member who has a knack for irritating you. Each member of Desert Springs has been given a gift. They are included in this plan. So I want to encourage you guys, point these gifts out in each other. I don't know if you're like me, but it's sometimes hard for me to know what are my spiritual gifts. And so you can help, help a brother out and point them out when you see them. If you see a brother who just has a, a knack for being able to encourage and to, to welcome, point it out. If you see a sister who just seems to have the right words to say when people are suffering, point that, gap, point that gift out in her. Point out the gifts you see. Question number three. What kind of spiritual gifts does God give? Many different kinds. Verse 10, they're varied. Scripture actually never gives us an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, all these gifts that, that, that are listed, there's variance to them. You may be wondering, like I did, so what, do we take these different lists throughout Scripture and then compile them into one comprehensive, exhaustive list? That's the list that we've got. So we've got to match up. We have to get all of our members, and then here's the, the list of gifts, and then we've got to draw arrows to the list that we see without 
throughout Scripture. That's what I thought for a period of time, but I don't think that's right. I don't think there is an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts, and this is why. Don't you think that if there was an exhaustive list, God would have told each of these churches this list? And it just it wouldn't make sense, would it? If there's a definitive list of gifts and God only tells them a few of them. You gotta think about you know the Ephesians couldn't cross-reference 1 Corinthians 12. They couldn't look over and see what's going on in Romans. So if there was a definitive list, I think God would have given them that. And because he doesn't, I don't think we have an exhaustive list. I think what's more likely is that these are just a sampling. They're just a sampling of what God could give to a church. Because, uh, because God has given different gifts to the church, we should expect different gifts popping up throughout our church. And this is really sweet. God knows what Desert Springs needs. He knows exactly what, he, what we need. And so he's going to give each member what they need. We just brought in 12 new members to Desert Springs. Robert Anderson and Misty Anderson, Derek Fannin and Roxanne Fannin, Mark Gonzalez and Kelly Gonzalez, Lauren Jane and Carissa Schwalem, Nicholas Welsh and Star Welsh, Dan Young and Carol Young. God knows each of these members by name. He knows his sheep by name. And when they came into our church, he gave them a specific gift. Or gifts. Scripture also doesn't say that we just get one gift. We may have multiple gifts. We maybe have more than one. I know some of you guys, and I think God has given you a backpack full of spiritual gifts. You take uh, Keith Schwalom. I don't think any of us know how many spiritual gifts God has given Keith, right? <laughs> Maybe all of them. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's like from one minute he's leading the safety team, and the other minute I see him counseling someone from God's word. Maybe you're like Keith. Or maybe God's given us one gift. Maybe he's given you just one gift, and he wants you to concentrate on that one gift. You're like Will Ferrell with the cowbell. You've got one role in the band. You can't sing, and you can't be on the drums, but man, when we need the cowbell, you're the right guy for the job. You're the guy that we need a, a three-point shot at the end of the game, and you can't dribble, and we're asking you not to get to dunk. That would be embarrassing for you. But man, when we need a three-pointer at the end of the game, you are the right guy for the job. It's different for each member. God's grace is varied. But while it's varied, I think you may see in verse 11 that there is also organization to these varied gifts. Peter lists two different kinds of gifts, if you notice that. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. Commentators think that Peter is lifting up these two kinds of gifts as the gifts that all the other gifts fall underneath. You can maybe think about it like, like files 
on a computer. So you've got, your, you've got the, the full list of all the gifts God has given Desert Springs. And then if you move your cursor over, there's two folders that all of these gifts come up under. Does that make sense? Clear? Good. Question number four. How should we use our spiritual gifts? Our text gives us two answers. Answer number one, we should use them faithfully. Verse 10, use your gifts as good stewards. What does Luke 12, 48 say? To whom much is given, much will be required. It's a diagnostic question for us this morning. Brothers, how are we doing? How are we doing here? You take an honest look at yourself. Do you think you are stewarding your gifts well? Are you being a good steward of the gifts God has given you? It's a tough question to answer. Kind of feels like when someone asks me how my prayer life is going. (laughs) How's your prayer life going? That's what I want to say. (laughs) It's a tough question to answer, but... Peter seems to have a category in his mind that this is possible. It is possible to be a good steward. With all of the sin and all of the weaknesses, it is possible to be a good steward of the gifts God has given you. And if that's possible, it's also possible you could be a bad steward. It's maybe a good question to ask a few trusted brothers in the church. Just ask them, how do you think I'm doing here? Do you think I'm being a good steward of the gifts that God has given me? To the married brothers in the room, this may be a, a good question to ask your wife if you want things to get real. It, uh, it could, uh, could take a turn for the worse, but I want you to hear this point. If you talk to a brother, you talk to your wife, and you realize things aren't going well, I want you to hear this point. There's no reason for shame. What's the name of this seminar? It's a gospel men seminar. We're gospel men. That guilt of being a bad steward has been nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. So we can take an honest look at ourselves. We don't have to be afraid of what we're gonna see. We can take an honest look at ourselves and we can walk in freedom and repentance and growth. Before you charge out of here with renewed energy and your adrenaline pumping to be a good steward, I want you to remember the second answer our text gives us to this question. How do we use our gifts? We use our gifts as good stewards by relying upon God's power, not our own. Verse 11 For both speaking and serving gifts, God's power energizes our service. So if you sign up for this one-to-one Bible reading, you're meeting up with a guy. It is the living and active word of God that powers that Bible study. If you're taking a load of wood out to the Navajo, it is the living and active Holy Spirit of God who is leading out on that trip to the Navajo. Yet not I, but through Christ who strengthens me. 
We can be good stewards of our gifts because our God is great in power. Question number five, what's my spiritual gift? Caleb, I love all the things that you've just talked about, but I came here to figure out what my spiritual gift is. I'm confused. I want help. What's my spiritual gift? I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know what your spiritual gift is. But our text gives us a pretty good clue on how you can find out. Your gift will necessarily serve our church. Which brings us to our second big observation. God gives spiritual gifts for the church. Question number six, who are the spiritual gifts for? The church. Verse 10, use your gifts to serve one another. God gives gifts to the church for the church. Ephesians 4.12 says to equip the saints for the building up of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.12, this context of spiritual gifts. Paul says that these spiritual gifts are for the equipping of the saints for building up the body of Christ. So your spiritual gift is not ultimately about you. How's that for a Saturday morning (laughs) pick-me-up? Like, man, Caleb, I could have been eating waffles with the family. (laughs) Now you're telling me to get over myself? Yes. Because, brothers, we have been invited into something so much bigger than us. Our general has invited us into something that is bigger than our self-actualization or our self-fulfillment. Just think about what's going on in our church right now. We have brothers and sisters who are looking at death in the face. And they are struggling to believe the promises of God. We have broken families who are holding on by a thread and they need friendships. We have singles who are lonely and have never been invited over to a member's house for dinner. Brothers, we have been invited into something great. And our God has given us gifts to serve these saints. These saints that I was just talking about, God has given you a gift to serve them. He's called you to come in and to look at what sin has torn down and say, I think I can build that back up. Not by my power, but as one who speaks oracles of God, as one who speaks with the living and active word of God, the power of God. And because I'm strong, I can't serve people because I'm strong, but the Holy Spirit will strengthen me. I can be a part of this process of building up what sin tore down. Can't meet all of the needs. Just one member just one member of this body, but I can meet some of the needs. I can go mow a widow's yard. I can sign up for one-to-one Bible reading and disciple a young man. I can do these things. 
God has given a gift to each one of you for each one of you. Question number seven. Are we ever going to answer question number five? (laughs) Sort of. There's no formula to figure out what exactly your spiritual gift is, but our text does give us a clue and gives us answers on how we can find out what our spiritual gifts are. And here it is. Start serving. Find needs and try to meet them. This is not explicit in our text, but I think when we look at Peter's logic, we see how it is implicit. If gifts are for the church, then your gift will necessarily serve the church. So start serving. If it builds up the body of Christ, there you go. You found your gift. If you see a need, see the need of of hospitality, and God knows we need hospitality right now. People are lonely after this past year. If you see that need and you start inviting people over to your house for lunch or dinner, you're meeting a need. If you see that you're meeting this need well, then hey, you may have the gift of hospitality. When Sunday school starts back up again, I'm sure Tate is going to need third grade Sunday school teachers. Volunteer for that. It'll be a need. I know it will be. If you sign up for that and you realize, you know what? This is actually going pretty good. This seems to be helping the third graders. You may have the gift of teaching. And if you do these things, if you try to serve the third graders and they just look at you confused all the time, then maybe you don't have the gift of teaching. But if we don't serve, we won't know whether we have the gift. I'm sure Mike Smith didn't know he had the gift of welcoming people in to Desert Springs. We all know Mike. He regularly, week by week, serves our church. And we found out Mike has the gift of hospitality. We love this brother because he shows us so much how we are welcome in Christ. So we got to serve to be able to figure out what our gifts are. Gifts rise to the surface when they stand up in service. Question number eight. Will my natural strengths be the same as my spiritual gifts? Will my natural strengths be the same as my spiritual gifts? It's kind of a yes or no, yes and no answer. Um, Our spiritual gifts don't come from our genetics. We know that. Verse 10 told us that they are received from God. But we also know that just through experience, that God often uses our natural abilities to help determine or to facilitate the spiritual gifts God has given us. For instance, I'm tone deaf. So if Drew needs help and with a backup singer, I am not the guy for the job. That is not going to serve you. My natural gifts, or lack thereof, help determine what I would be good at in terms of spiritual gifts. But then again, we have to say no. These gifts come from God. 
our natural abilities don't always connect to our spiritual gifts. If your service builds up, then that is evidence that they are a spiritual gift that is building up the body of Christ. So while you may be like me and you can't find the harmony to save your life, when you come here tomorrow morning and we sing as a church, when you sing loudly about God's faithfulness and about the gospel, that builds up our church. I know it builds up me. I know that it builds up me. That's why I do that awkward thing you may have seen me do earlier. I, I want to turn around and I want to see your guys' faces while I'm singing. Because I know what you're going through. I know some of the hard things you guys are going through. And so when you sing loudly about God's faithfulness, my faith is built up. My faith is built up that, that God is good. He is faithful. So when we come on Sunday morning, no matter how good of a singer you are, you could be as bad as me, you sing loudly, you have a spiritual gift to the church. Then again, our natural ability doesn't always translate to a spiritual gift. When we were back in Louisville, we were at a church that had a deep bench of preachers. I mean, the list was 20 or 30 long, and I was at the very end of the bench, y'all. <laughs> I, I, I was the walk-on who made sure all the starters had Gatorade. I was at the end of the bench of these preachers. So when guys would come to our church, they'd come for seminary, they'd come to our church, and they would announce to us that they have the gift of preaching. We would try our best not to laugh in their face, and we would tell them, brother, you don't have that gift at this church. You have the gift of serving in the nursery. <laughs> our three-year-olds need you to read the big picture storybook Bible. We need you to serve there. While they may have had the spiritual gift of preaching at their last church, they don't have that, they didn't have that gift anymore at Third Avenue. Gifts rise to the surface when they stand up in service and they sit right back down if they don't serve. Question number nine, how do I find the needs in our church? Two ways, get to know one another. Verse 10, Paul tells us to serve one another, but you can't serve one another very well if you don't know one another. I'm gonna be the drum of hospitality again. Men, let's lead out in this. Let's lead out in hospitality. It may start by introducing yourself to someone you don't know at church tomorrow morning. It may be you going to find someone that you know a little bit but not super well and inviting them over for lunch after the service. It may start many different ways. But I encourage you to press in on this need that our church has of hospitality. It not only shows us needs within the church, because as we get to know each other, we find out what the needs are. It not only shows us that, but it displays the gospel. So isn't this what Christ has done for us? He left his home, went to a place that's uncomfortable, and then invited us to his family. So it's not just finding the needs, but as we bring in members of our church into our homes, 
We are modeling the gospel. Second way, second way that you can answer this question. Get to know your elders and ask them what they see. Get to know your elders and ask them what needs they see. Christ has entrusted our seven elders with knowing the sheep. He's entrusted these seven men to know the needs of the sheep. And so we can trust God's plan to go to these men. So if you don't know your elders, I would encourage you to reach out to them. Their emails are on the website. Send them an email and ask them if you can take them out for lunch. They would love to get to know you. Trust God's plan to use your elders and ask them where you can serve. Question number 10. How do we receive the benefits of others' spiritual gifts? What do you guys think I'm going to say? Get to know one another. Verse 10. If God has equipped members with spiritual gifts to serve you, it's going to be hard for them to serve you if they don't know you. And right here, it's going to be very tempting to complain that others aren't reaching out to you. I know that temptation. I felt it before. It's going to be very hard for you to not complain that others aren't reaching out to you. But I'm going to ask you guys to actively work to fight against this. Don't just wait for people to start inviting you to things. Don't just wait for people to start talking to you on Sunday morning. Be intentional and and move out actively and start asking questions to people on Sunday morning. Stick around after the service. Ask people over for lunch. You know what's interesting is that when you start doing these things, you start getting to know one another, don't you? If you stop just waiting for people to come talk to you and you start intentionally talking to people on Sunday mornings, you intentionally start inviting them over to your home, you usually start getting to know one another. And you'll receive the soul care that's only possible through the body. We've been going to Ephesians 4 a lot, but we're going to go there again. So turn over to Ephesians 4, 13. I want you to see this connection between participating in body life and receiving soul care. Ephesians 4, 13. Paul has just been talking about spiritual gifts in the earlier verses, and then he says this in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you see how vital body life is to your discipleship? There's a knowledge of the Son of God. There's a maturity to your faith. 
There's a fellowship with the head that is only possible if you are connected to the head's body. This has massive implications for family discipleship. I'm the youth and families minister, so we got to get a family discipleship application in here. Here it is. Men, you can't disciple your family by yourself. You can't disciple your family by yourself. And you are incredibly important. You, there's not a member in this church who are, is more important to the discipleship of your family than you. But you are insufficient. Your family, your wife, your believing wife, and your believing children need the body of Christ. This point was driven home, uh, actually the last Gospel Men seminar. Uh, I was talking to, to John Landis, and you know, you know his boys. <laughs> and I was, I was looking at them, and I was like, man, they are some studs. And I asked John, I was like, John, how'd you do it? <laughs> how'd you and Lucy do it? How did you raise sons like this? And you know what he told me? He said, Caleb, we were in some great churches. We were around some great churches with some great men, and I just tried my best to get my sons around these great men in the churches. Let's learn from John Landis' example and, and bring our family members around our spiritual family members. When you do this, when you bring your family members around the body of Christ, and you see them built up in the faith, you see them growing, and when you start reaching out to others, and you start using your spiritual gifts, and you see them growing in the faith, our general looks really, really good. When you start doing these things and you trust his reconstruction plan, you give glory to the God who constructed the plan in the first place. This is why God has given us spiritual gifts. This brings us to our last observation. God gives spiritual gifts so that he may receive glory through Jesus Christ. Question number 11, why does God give gifts to the church for the church? For his own glory. Verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's what the seminar is about. You can go back up to the top of the page and fill in the main idea. This is the main idea of this talk and the main idea of 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God gives spiritual gifts to the church, for the church, so that he may receive glory through Jesus Christ. Did you get that? God gives spiritual gifts to the church, for the church, underline this, so that, so that he may receive glory through Jesus Christ. How? Question number 12. How? How does God receive glory through Jesus Christ by giving spiritual gifts to the church, for the church? Because no one else could pull this off. No one else could pull off this plan except Jesus Christ. Just think what he is doing at this church. 
We've got older members and younger members. We've got men and we've got women. We've got members whose first, lang- first language is English and we've got members whose first language is not English. We've got Anglo members and Latino members. We've got polite members and sarcastic members. We've got mature members and we've got immature members. It's a good thing we're not in charge of this plan, amen? What would happen if we were in charge of this reconstruction plan? What happened at the Tower of Babel? That's what would happen. Genesis 11. It would be hostility, not hospitality. It would be division, not dinners. It would be walls, not word ministry. Not 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. But we've got a Genesis 12 kind of God, don't we? We have a God who promises to bless the nations. We have a God who promises to build up what sin tore down. And brothers, we have a God who can pull the whole thing off. We have a God who can pull the whole thing off. He is going to execute his plan. He's going to use us. He's going to use the very people who started the war in the first place. Our sins nailed his hands and feet to the tree. But he uses us as his hands and feet for his glory. Who would have come up with this plan? No one. No one would have come up with this plan. And even if they did, no one could pull it off. No one could pull it off except Christ. So we give glory to God through Jesus Christ this morning. And we will keep giving glory to him forever and ever. Which brings us to our last question, question 13. What happens when the reconstruction plan is finished? What happens when Jesus comes back and he makes all things new? What happens to our spiritual gifts after the church is already built up? What happens then? They'll go away. We won't need them anymore. And besides, we'll be too busy working at our new jobs. It's the last passage we'll go to, Isaiah 65, 17. Isaiah 65, 17. Let this prophecy about post-reconstruction, new heavens and new life sink in. Starting at verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mine. Go down to verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, 
and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Listen to this last line. They shall not labor in vain. We are unspeakably blessed to have the gifts God has given us right now. Unspeakably blessed. And they are critical for life right now in this church. But they are not the last jobs we'll have. No, we've got a job promotion coming. Our spiritual gifts are just a preamble for our heavenly jobs. One day God will give heavenly jobs to the church, for the church, so that he may receive glory through Jesus Christ. And what will we say on that day? Verse 11. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you have been so kind to us. And Father, we ask you that you would use the gifts that you've given us for the church so that you may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Father, do something through your word right now in these brothers' hearts and that it would have a ripple effect throughout our church. For the praise of your name. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Let us stand, brothers. Put our armor on. Let us take up the spiritual gift of song as we wield the weapon of worship in fighting sin, Satan, and our selfishness. Let us serve one another, build one another up. Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now, though we can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given, with shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness our call to war to love the captive soul but to rage against the captor and with the sword that makes the wounded whole we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the price for which he died, an inheritance of see the cross where love and mercy meet as the son of God is stricken then see his foes like crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as the soul is rolled away 
You may be seated. God has given spiritual gifts to the church for the church. And brothers, I was particularly convicted by that last part. It's for his glory. For the glory of Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's the why. For his name. So one more resource to highlight for you. Again, uh, you might just want to jot this down on your sheet. Uh, It's a short book, but a good one, called The Compelling Community. Look at the subtitle, Where God's Power Makes a Church Attractive. The thesis of this book is churches are often defined by a lot of different things that he calls gospel plus. They're attractional because they're people that are just like you. Versus what we've talked about today, that where we're going at Desert Desert Springs Church is not defined by what makes us like at a surface level, but because of the common bond that we have in Jesus Christ. That's what makes the church compelling. Because if you look at us, we're a ragtag bunch of (laughs) messed up people. But by God's grace, we are being conformed in the image of Christ, all for his glory. He has saved us by his grace. So the compelling community uh, where God's power makes a church attractive. That's where we're going. So in the subject of spiritual gifts, this is a great book to complement that. All right, so now at this time, we're going to break up in our discussion groups. Uh, On the back of your outline, there's a list of discussion questions. uh, And you'll see up here a map of where the groups are located. So when you got your email this week, you got your... Um, assignment of where your groups are, okay, and that's where they're located. If you don't remember, then come up front, and I'll tell you where your group is, okay, so don't worry if you forgot. Just come up to the front, but where the groups are, you'll notice there's chairs that are in a circle, so there's four. This is group one, group two, uh, group three, yeah, group three, and group four, and then we're in the youth room, and then also in the courtyard, And there's some chairs there that you can grab if you're in the courtyard. Uh, So uh, come up to me afterwards if you don't know where your group is. But the questions are on the back there. So we'll pray here in just a minute. Then we'll break up into our discussion groups. And then you'll just dismiss yourselves uh, from your group. Okay? So let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have given gifts to men. And it is for your glory. Lord, I thank you for these men, and 
and we ask that you'd use our discussion time to highlight your grace in each one of our lives that beginning with tomorrow morning as we gather as the church that we would see needs and begin to try to meet those needs all by your grace and for your glory. Amen.